2: This episode of the Bearstalk Underground is brought to you by Sports Drink, your digital water cooler. Sports Drink is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. They're here to help us grow and to hate your favorite team. A rising tide lifts all boats, so go check them out online or in social. Go to sportsdrink.org or open Instagram and type in Sports Drink. Spelled like Sports Drink but without the vowels, so... S P R T S D R N K. All we ask is that you close the door behind you. We're trying not to let out the funk. (laughs) What's up guys. We are finally heading into the home stretch of our 2022 opponent preview series, because we've made it through our same place opponents, through the AFC East, through the NFC East. And we have arrived at our home division, the NFC North, the lions, the Vikings, the Packers. And then finally, we talk about ourselves, the Chicago Bears, uh, to wrap it all up. And uh, so happy that you guys uh, enjoy the series. Uh, I love the feedback and, and the comments that we uh, that we get here. Uh, you can follow me on on Twitter at btu underscore larry. It's the same thing on Instagram, although I don't post there much, just show announcements and stuff like that. Uh, you can also join the Facebook group. Just search Bears Talk Underground on Facebook. Join, like the group get in on the discussion and um you know just thanks for thanks for being you and giving me a reason to keep doing shows because uh, i know somebody's out there uh loving it hating it just listening to it's good enough for me so uh anyway guys like i said we're, we're we're heading into the home stretch here it's the nfc north finally we start with the detroit lions and our good friend jeremy Reisman, and these next four guys that we're talking to are probably my favorite guests i'd you know, we had to do a power rankings that, you know, it would be tough to figure out which one, but these would probably be one through four uh, quite honestly, because um, not only are they like our, our three uh, opponents, the, the lions, the Packers and the Vikings, not only are these guys that I've literally talked to since day one, when I started doing interviews on the show back in 2015, but you know, they're also some of the coolest guys that, uh, that I've met doing this. and, and, my relationship with them is one of the reasons why I look forward to doing this series during the summer is you know, hoping to find more guys like them that despite their quirky uh, you know, allegiances that lead them astray from our beloved Chicago Bears and to whatever team they've saddled themselves with, um, they, uh, they get it. They've got skin in the game, same as you and I do, and uh, they get the struggle uh, of following uh, a team and, and kind of dedicating part of your life to it. Like we have. So um, I love talking to these guys. Jeremy Reisman from Pride of Detroit is is first up with us. And um, it's a very interesting thing that's going on with the Lions right now. They did their whole, like, they started their overhaul last year. New GM Brad Holmes, uh, new head coach uh, Campbell uh, out there. You know, disastrous start. I think they were 0-10-1 before they finally won a full. Actually, I think they won their first game after we beat them on Thanksgiving. We beat them on Thanksgiving. They're 0-11-1. They finally beat Minnesota after the mini-buy the following week. I, I'm pretty sure that's how it went down. But, um, you know, and then won like three of their last six games to, to close out the year. They finished three uh, thirteen and one had the second pick in the draft. So they got to uh, go in on, uh, on, you know, have access to one of the highest uh, caliber players in the draft along with an extra first round pick they got from the Rams and the Matt Stafford trade and all that kind of stuff so they're in year two uh, of their transition whereas we the Bears are starting with uh our first uh you know a year one of our of our new transition new head coach new uh general manager overhauling the roster we're, we're going to be virtually unrecognizable from the team that we were a year ago with all the new names and faces and stuff like like Preseason is going to be a bitch trying to figure out who all these players are. And then week one, when the season starts and everybody's got different numbers and everything's getting an even bigger pain in the ass. So probably won't know who the hell these guys are just by the sight of them until about week three or four. We finally get it down at that point. But, um, you know, the, the, the Bears' future is uncertain. Uh, and all the chatter about whether or not the Bears are going to be the worst team in the league. Uh, right now you have a hard time combating it because we just don't know who the Bears are right now what they're bringing to the table will it work and you know and all that kind of stuff so it's it's annoying that they're so adamant that this is going to happen when nobody really knows I mean it could come in and work like gangbusters like year one of Matt Nagy did or it could be like year one with the Lions where we start 0-11-1 before we figure out how to win a few games to close out the season so we have no idea if this is going to be a fun season, if it's going to be a disaster of a year, if we're going to see great progress on the field, maybe we don't see the wins, but we're seeing some solid play, some competition, blah, blah, blah. We just don't know. And and that's why I can't wait for the season to start. So we can start answering some of these questions. And this is where Jeremy and his group were from about a year ago, trading away Stafford, you know, trimming all of the Matt Patricia fat from the roster and molding it in uh, Brad Holmes and, and, uh Dan Campbell's uh vision and uh you know taking their lumps year one and and hoping to see a drastic improvement in year two so it's going to be interesting to watch them and on top of it all they're the hard knocks pre uh training camp team this year so uh you know we get to kind of get inside unfettered access to the team during the preseason to see how they're going to mold this team and get ready for 2022 so All right, enough from me. Let's go ahead and get right into this. Uh, This is our good friend Jeremy Reisman from SB Nation's Pride of Detroit, helping me preview the 2022 Detroit Lions on the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get to it. First trip through the NFC North teams, and um, you know, despite their crooked allegiances, uh, the three guys that we're going to have. On to preview our our division mates are three of my favorite guests, and the first to uh, to join us from uh, Pride of Detroit for you know representing the Detroit Lions is Jeremy Reisman. Jeremy, welcome back to the show, man. Larry, always good talking with you, buddy. So let's talk about this uh, squad uh, of yours. Twenty twenty one, I mean, it was it was what it was, and I think it. I don't know if it was as what you were expecting, but it was. Along the lines of what people were expecting, especially with the way that uh, the Lions came in—new general manager, new head coach—kind of purged the roster uh, a bit and you know, put it together best you could going into uh, week one. But uh, you know you get off to what like an zero and seven, zero and eight start before you finally throw a tie in there uh, yeah. somewhere. But I mean you know I remember texting with you after the, the after we played week four because yeah. it's like week one, the 49ers get off to this huge start, uh, but you guys bring it down so it's only a one possession loss by the end of it. You have this semi-dominant first half against the Packers week two on Monday Night Football, only to kind of fall apart in the second half. You have the Ravens dead to right, and it takes, a, 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 a number one, a blown call on like an illegal procedure or something like that, and then an NFL record
1: 66-yard field goal to come away with the loss The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip.
0: I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of
1: American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
2: On that one, and then in the Bears game, it was not being able to stop shooting yourselves in the foot when you were in, like, you had four trips to the red zone and had, like, one field goal or something like that to, yeah. uh, to show for it. I remember telling you, I was like, if you guys ever figure out how to play a 60-minute game, you're going to be trouble for someone. <laughs> and according to the first 11 games of the season, that didn't happen for quite a while uh, for yeah. you guys because it was just like, you know, 0-10-1 before you finally got that first win against Minnesota week 13. Yeah, it was it was an interesting season, no not, no question about
0: it. And I, I think this coaching staff had a pretty long leash with the fan base, and so I don't think anyone was necessarily freaking out at 0-4, and, and five oh and six even. Uh, but then they started like having some really bad games yeah. right before the bye week. Like they got smoked by Philadelphia, they got smoked by Cincinnati, and then it was like, uh oh, yeah. this team. Could potentially go zero and seventeen. This coaching staff does not look like they know what they're doing. They're making some of these. I mean, when you're making a lot of these errors, especially like in that Bears game, like yeah, you you can only blame a young roster for so long, right? Mm-hmm. You can only blame these guys saying, oh, you know, this is the first time they've played together. This is, for a lot of these players, it's the first year in the NFL. The lines of the second youngest roster in the NFL in in 2021. So a lot of these mental errors that are happening, you initially put on the players, but then once you get into like mid to late October or November and December, and a lot of these things keep happening, well then you're suddenly like, well, what's going on with this coaching staff? And yeah, like there, I mean, you, I'm as a Bears fan, I'm sure you you can relate. Like mm. there were already people calling for Dan Campbell's head by the time <laughs> the lines were 0 10 and one,
2: right? Well, I mean, if if the first half of the season had been flipped, and you started out with the blowouts, and then got to the bye week with the closer losses, maybe it goes down a bit smoother. But I, I, you started they, out with the tight games, and then all of a sudden, thirty four eleven to the Bengals, you threw the kitchen sink at the Rams. I mean, I mean, they really were just pulling it out of their ass in that game <laughs> with yep. the onside, the surprise onsides, you know, and everything they were doing there. And then to back that up with forty four to six loss at home against the Eagles before the bye. I can see how that can get me pretty tough to swallow at that point in the season.
0: For sure. But honestly, if they just picked up one of those early games, the pressure would have been off. Sure. All of the pressure would have been off. I mean, there'd still be some upset fans because there's always some upset fans, but just like the anxiety of having another for season lingering over their heads was something that, that Lions fans just would not accept as a reality. And, uh, And, and yeah, it was it, it was it was scary, and it was spooky, and then the bye week hits, and they change strategy. They, 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 they don't officially fire their offensive coordinator, but they say, you know what, you're not going to offensive coordinate pretty much anymore. We're going to um, promote our tight ends coach, uh, make him take over that job. Dan Campbell is going to call over offensive play calling, and it takes a couple weeks, but they get that tie right out of the bye with the
2: Steelers in one of the ugliest games I've ever seen, oh, they dude. take the,
0: <laughs> yeah, it was
2: bad. I mean, I think they, the Bears were, were, uh, were Monday night or so, there was a reason I wasn't watching the Bears that week. And so that was the game that I was watching. And I mean, it became like like, you know, you ever have a TV series where it's like, you like it in the beginning, but as the season goes along, you, you, you don't like it anymore, but you want to see how it ends. Right. I think the term, the, the, theme, the term is called hate. The team, the term is called hate watching. Yeah. I've been hate watching this series. Cause I want to know how it ends by the middle of the second quarter. I'm hate watching this game. Cause I just want to see how it's going to unfold. Cause it was clear. Neither one of those teams were really in a position to win the game. And it turns out it had the perfect ending in a tie, yeah. uh, you know, for that one. So like the, the, the lions finally get off the snide, but it's a tie in a game. They should have won.
0: Right. For sure. And, and of course, it doesn't really feel like you're off the schneid when the, the wind total still still says yeah, zero. So, zero
2: right there in the front. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So it takes them a couple more weeks. They, they do finally get that, that win against the, the Vikings, a dramatic last second um, game. But then that kind of sparks a, a nice little run at the end of the season where a, a couple weeks later, they, they destroy an Arizona Cardinals team that at the time yeah. was in first place
2: in the NFC West. And, you know, but you know what was unique about that win, Jeremy, is that this was a team that was, I think, their only road loss of the season Yeah, that's last right. year. This that's was a team right. that couldn't figure out how to win a football game at home to save their life, but on the road, they were impenetrable. And then they go to Detroit against a one-win football team in the 15th week of the season and get their asses handed to them. I mean, it was brutal. Yeah. yeah. It, it, that that was the full game you were talking about, that the, that
0: the Lions, if they could just put it together, they're... They look like a legit team, and yeah, you know, we're talking about a part of the season where the lines are just like battered and bruised. I mean, that's kind of a a, a subplot to that whole season is like they they lose Frank Rag now for in in week four for the rest of the season. They're they're all pro center. Mm-hmm. They lose their left tackle uh, Taylor Decker in the first week of practice. <laughs> Uh turns out he ends up missing eight months, which means they have to move Panay Sewell, who was working all offseason at right tackle, and people were criticizing because Panay Sewell's a future left tackle. They're practicing him at right tackle all offseason, and then three days before the season opener, Taylor Decker gets hurt, and they have to put Sewell back at left tackle. Uh, so shuffling on the offensive line, wide receivers dropping like flies. Oh, man. T.J. Hawkinson misses the fi- final <laughs> five games of the season, like, Everything was working against Jared Goff and the offense, and everything towards the end of the season with with just crazy injuries everywhere. And they improve like they do the one thing that I was looking for them to do. And I was saying it all off season. Like I know this is going to be a rough season. I know they're not going to win more than five games. I know I know everything's going to be pretty bad and and frustrating because this roster's so bad. But all I want to see is them play better ball in December than they do in September, and that's exactly what
2: they did. Nice. Well, I mean, you know, they had that win over over the Cardinal, which was a legit win too. Yeah. I mean, it's not like a few weeks later uh, when you get the win over Green Bay when they're resting everybody for the for the postseason. Uh, and In everything. the second half, to be to be the, okay. the first
0: half, they had their starters and the Lions were actually winning. I think
2: at halftime of that game, but uh, but yeah, then
0: they rested their starters. Sure.
2: But you know, so I mean, it, it was a legit win against at the time a legit football team not knowing that the annual second half collapse with Arizona was was well underway true uh, at that point but um you know which is what's going to make i mean we'll, we'll talk about hard knocks here in a minute but the fact that they're the in-season hard knocks team i am glued to the tv if if, right. if anything like this is going down uh you know during 2022 that uh you know say they get off to another 7 and 1 8 and 1 start and then this you know the here comes the second half of the schedule and uh you know, all of a sudden they've lost three in a row and, and uh you know, they've gone from being a surefire one seed all of a sudden struggling to hang on to the four. I'm gonna be glued to the T V every Tuesday when when HBO drops a new one. So uh <laughs> it's a very, very interesting choice by Arizona to agree to be that team uh this year. So uh definitely putting everyone's feet to the fire uh on this one. But For sure. um you know, so it's so year one finally comes to an end. And, re- and real quick, you, you mentioned the receivers. And I really only got to watch, th- you know, three games from start to finish with the Lions, those being the two games against the Bears and then that Steelers yeah. uh, game. That's the one where I can say I watched all 60 minutes of, of a Lions game. And never was it more apparent than that Steelers game about how just bare bones you guys were at wide receiver uh, at that point. Uh, wasn't golf out for that game? Uh, as well, uh, which is why I you remember, ran the ball 98% of the time in that football game.
0: That golf, that was golf was in that game, but I believe he was playing injured. The neck, I think the next week he was not in okay. the game.
2: Okay. But it was just, you know, oh, it's third and 17. Here comes a dive up the yes. middle, uh, yeah. you know, and things like that. It's like, my God, why not just forfeit the game? Right. If this is what you're going to do but you know going I mean sometimes you know the running back I can't remember which one it was was really kicking some ass that day had a 100-yard day or or whatever it was and just you know out there getting it done it's like i don't know if this is good for the lions or bad for the steelers with the way that the you know you guys were running all over them but anytime you tried to throw it was just like okay so we're just going to try to throw it left-handed because apparently the right doesn't work and you know all that kind of stuff i mean it was just and then not to mention the poor kicker situation in that one where you had oh, like yeah. your your punter yeah. trying to kick field goals and he hooked one into a different zip code than yep. uh, where the where the goal were there at overtime but then the Steelers yeah. back it up they're you know about to be in field goal range and then the tight end fumbles the ball's like good god does nobody <laughs> want to win this game this is insane so yeah, yeah i mean it was just like the pass, the state that the passing game was in was um was was like man, this has got uh, yeah, to be tough to be to be a Lions fan. Not to mention that game in particular. I think it was Chris Myers, which was the announcer, kept threatening been. everybody with a passing game like the whole time, talking about they're, they're going to start throwing the ball anytime now, anytime <laughs> yeah. now they're going <laughs> to open it up with the up. passing game. Set it's, them up yeah, for the pass. It's like it's not a strategy, bro. They're running the ball because they know they can't throw it. So <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was interesting on so many levels watching that uh, watching that game. So. Yeah. Three thirteen and one, uh, you know, you squeeze out those three wins. That that Vikings win was had to be satisfying. I just, you were there too, weren't you?
0: Oh yeah, oh, yeah. It was, it was, it was a great energy to to just a fan base that has been dying just for, I mean, just for a win at that point. Especially since you know the year before, no one's in the stands. That was that was the right. first win since the COVID era uh, for for the Detroit Lions at home in front of fans. So uh yeah it was it was a release. it was just so much relief too just okay, this team isn't gonna go oh 17 oh and seventeen oh sixteen and one whatever and and we we really like at that point, the rest of the season is just a watch it' do, it doesn't even matter what happens like we all understood that this was gonna be a rough season. They got out of the the hole let's just let's just kick back the rest of the season, not put too much pressure on the team and start looking to twenty
2: twenty two what was the press box like when uh, when Saint Brown catches that touchdown pass? Because <laughs> Honestly, you know, I know that it's it's taboo to, yeah. to cheer and you know all that kind of stuff in the press box uh, and everything. But I got to think it's week 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 thirteen. It's coming down to the wire. He catches that pass. The Lions finally catch the W. I'm I'm guessing there had to be some cheering or applause or whatever when that finally happened.
0: Not, I mean, not really.
1: The, Man, the, that's
2: disappointing.
0: They that they really kind of adhere to the rules for the most part. I mean, that sucks. Me, me and my my writing buddy definitely gave each other like a high five or, or like a nudge under the sure. desk or something like that. But uh, yeah, no, for the most part, like the Ford Field press room is is actually very toned down. And really, the only times you ever hear any noise made is like you know sometimes they put scouts from the other team there or sure. you know like occasionally I've sat right in front of or right behind the opposing team's general manager or, or you know president like they're sometimes in the press box and those guys oh did you get
2: to see them. Ryan Pace sweat bullets as his team was <laughs> threatening to lose to a <laughs> 0-10-1 football team that weekend but those, those are the guys that make noise in the press box I, I, I
0: unfortunately did not get to uh, to see Ryan Pace and Ugh. and all the those guys but yeah I, I would say they were far more – the the press box in general was more animated in the Ravens game because that was just ah,
2: – Okay, sure,
0: sure. No, I mean, no one had ever seen anything like that. And so I think it was just like a lot of like that kind of disbelief left, just like, <laughs> I can't – what? Really? He, what?
2: <laughs> it hit the crossbar and then bounced over, uh, you know, yeah. to, to be good. It's like, you got to be kidding me, man.
0: That's,
2: yeah, I mean –
0: I know every fan base kind of has this saying, but it really f- feels like it rings true for the Lions. It's just everyone's only reaction to that is only the Lions, only <laughs> the Lions are going to lose on a 66 yarder that bounces off the uprights after the the refs missed a delay a game on, on the, the previous. That's what play. it was, delay a game. Yeah. That's what it yeah. was. Yeah,
2: I knew there was a five yard penalty they that they missed on yeah. that one, and um, that would have you know I. Th- do we? know, yep. they lose the game because they they would have lost it because it would have been um, a seventy one yarder. Well, I mean, actually, I it, it, it would have there. negated the play that got them the into field goal range, wouldn't it?
0: I I think because didn't plan, it happen? It happened no, think, on the play I, that set up the field goal. I think the play that they ran was just a like one of those quick outs where if it was there they they throw it. If not, he throws it away. I think they ended up throwing it away on that play.
2: Mm, okay, yeah, because so, I thought it was. Uh, but yeah, you're right. The five yards would have made it a seventy one yarder, and then. uh, we're probably going Hail Mary at that point. Probably, You know, yeah. Even with Justin Tucker kicking the ball, I don't, I don't know anyone who can kick it 70 goddamn yards <laughs> in a game situation. You see guys kick 80-yarders when there's, it's nothing but them and a tee. Uh, you see that happen all the time, but it, you know, right. like videos on Instagram and things like that. But to see a guy in a game situation put a 70-yarder through the uprights, I don't know about that. <laughs> we're going to have to wait until we're in altitude in, in Denver or something with a 20-mile-hour right. mile wind behind you. <laughs> uh, to make that possible so so we move in into the off season. what's your general manager's name again uh brad brad holmes holmes that's it okay yep. came from the rams uh yep. brought jared goff with him we go into the offseason and free agency not a very busy period uh for you guys where was it what is a salary cap thing or is it we're still working in detroit to be a destination kind of thing
0: uh, i would say it, it, it's a little bit of both they they weren't cap strapped but they weren't you know they they, they, they were like the Jacksonville Jaguars yeah, with yeah. like a hundred plus uh, million uh, ready to go, um and and they spent a lot of their money and and I think this drew some fans uh ire um but they spent a lot of money on their own guys mm-hmm. they they bring back a bunch of uh, you know Charles Harris has kind of a, a breakout year with Detroit they they re-sign him to a multi-year deal. Tracy Walker, a safety that that's been around for a while and and kind of had a, a a nice year last year, also gets re-signed. They, they they bring back Josh Reynolds, a guy who who joined the team mid-season and and kind of was part of the reason the offense was able to turn things around. They bring him back, Clee Freeman, a special teams guy. They bring him back. So they they kind of spend the majority of their money just bringing guys back because I think they again like they realize this is a slow a slow build. These are the kind of guys that 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 fit the culture of what they were trying to do. Culture has been like an absolutely huge kind of focus by both Brad Holmes and obviously Dan Campbell, just these guys that are hard workers because they believe that sort of mentality is, is is contagious. And if you fill your room with guys like that, you're going to get the best out of just about everyone on your roster. So I, I think Brad Holmes wasn't ready to really, and I don't think he thinks the roster is in a spot where they go splashing in free agency. I mean, depending on who you ask, I think most people see free agency as almost like a last piece of the puzzle kind of thing where yeah. like you get your young foundation in place and then when you think you're ready to compete, then you add those couple extra pieces by, by making some big splashes in free agency. The Lions haven't done that in their first two years because they're not there. They're not close to ready in terms of their roster. I think we might see them get a little more aggressive next year, but maybe not. Maybe Brad Holmes is like, is, is going to be, you know, like the Packers of old where it's just, we're not going to win March. We're right. going to win the draft and then we're going to win football season.
2: Right. Well, you know, for all of his faults, I think Ryan Pace had the, at, at least vocalized the, the best, um, ask, you know, the best uh, definition of what free agency is, is like free agency is a tool that you use. So you can take the best player available in the draft. Yeah, you know, so you're drafting for talent, right. not for need. Uh, yep. You know, when the when the draft uh, rolls around, didn't always do that, but you know, because he couldn't always win March, unfortunately. Right. <laughs> you know, and, and sometimes that's what it looked like he was trying to do, which is why we're going to be paying for Jimmy Graham and Nick Foles, even though they're not on the team <laughs> this year. So, go for been it. there, man. Yeah, yeah, for sure, but. One of the the nice pieces you did add, uh, DJ Chark from the yeah. Jaguars. Everybody else was getting paid to stay and or come to Jacksonville. He took money to leave. Not the worst idea. Um, yeah. But um, you bring him in. It was like one years, ten million uh, for that. Uh, you bring in Mike Hughes uh, from Kansas City. Uh, Jared Davis. Now that uh, what's his Patricia's gone, decided he yeah. can come back. Uh, to Detroit, and uh, probably happily did so after a year with the Jets. And um, I see uh, uh, Garrett Griffin, you signed away, a tight end from New Orleans. Deshaun Elliott signed away from the Ravens. And uh, Chris Board, a linebacker from the the Ravens, all coming into uh, what Dan Campbell and, and Holmes are trying to put together out there.
0: Yeah, and all those, I, I believe all of those are, are one-year deals, which, again, not, not by accident. So it's yeah. exactly what the Lions did last year, one-year deals, short-term things, seeing who sticks, give them all an opportunity to compete, and if you do well, you get re-signed. Like, that's exactly what they did with Charles Harris last year. And I before- think that's
2: what, what we're seeing Ryan Poles doing. Mm. One yeah. year for Brian, Byron Pringle, one year for Equinemia St. Brown, one year uh, you know, for pretty much everybody except for, like, Lucas Patrick, who got a two-year deal you know, kind of thing. I mean, the only guy that he tried to give any kind of money to, uh, and, and was the only guy that he gave more than two years to was Ogan Joby. And that didn't work out because of his, uh, physical. So that everybody else was a one year deal, uh, you know, or maybe two years. I think, uh, the guy that we didn't get Ryan Bates would have been the only one that got a multi-year deal, um, that the, the Buffalo bills matched to keep him uh, as opposed to letting us have him, kind of thing. And, and, I think for him, it, it's similar to what 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 Brad Holmes is trying to do in Detroit, which is we're, we're bringing in guys. It's a one year prove a deal. You want to stick around and go out and make some plays uh, for us, which you know means that they're hungry players, and you know hopefully that will translate onto the field and you know maybe not W's, but some kind of success or progress that will help this franchise get where it wants to go.
0: Yeah, and and extremely little risk so that you aren't paying guys that right. aren't there. Two three years down the line, um, so yeah, it, it's a it's a low risk, you know, probably low reward strategy. But again, every now and then you strike gold. Like I don't know if Charles Harris has, has turned a, his career around now. You know, he's only got one really good year now, but it's it's a success story. It, it's an it's it's an example that the Lions can show prospective free agents that are like, hey, we know your career's on is not where it wants to be come to Detroit. We'll give you a year to try things out. And if you, if you're, you're probably going to get an opportunity because our roster isn't where we want it to be yet. And if you succeed, like we are not going to be afraid to pay you and, and bring you back. And, and now you're in year two of, you know, our, our defense and, and our, our coaching style and, and hopefully your career springboards from here. That's certainly what the hope is with, with Charles Harris. Um, but you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Um, It's an interesting strategy, and I think it's probably the right strategy given where the Lions are with the roster, Um, but it also is one that requires a lot of patience from Lions fans who just want to see things (laughs) finally turn around, Um, but I I feel like it's been a while since the Lions truly hit a reset button like they did last year, you know, trading away a franchise quarterback, really knowing, and, and they'll never say it, obviously, that they they essentially threw 2021 and not not in a way where like they were giving games away on purpose. None of that was happening. But right. In terms of the roster, they like they were not building to win last year. They were building to to find some foundational pieces, but really just put a bunch of young players. You know, I think they must have played like five or six undrafted rookies too, mm. and just see who can develop, see who can stick around and And start anew in, in 2022
2: yeah this that in that new and impressive uh, staff that Dan Campbell put together really had their work cut out for them. They did uh, last year in, in developing some of these players, you know seeing if if these you know low risk financially uh, guys are, are going to be somebody that we can count on in the future or do we just reshuffle the deck next year and start over with some new unsigned guys? Uh, and, and things like that, bringing a guy that's that maybe looking to revitalize his career, or you know, this guy can't get a look from anybody else. We'll give you a shot, man. Come on down and and play for us. And, and you know, if you do, maybe there's more where this came from. Uh, kind of thing. It's um, it does it is a philosophy that requires a, a lot of patience, and uh, <laughs> you know, it's the same thing for for us as as bear fans that um, you know after you know what, two playoff seasons in the last 10 years, if that uh, kind of thing. We want to see a franchise that's in a position to win now, which is what made, you know, for most people anyway, this offseason under Ryan Poles, the first one, so frustrating. Was, yeah. you know, I think it was m- maybe, like I think Oban Jovi was day two, but like the next move didn't come for like four or five days after. <laughs> like he was not kidding when he said, that they were going to be players in the second and third wave uh, of free agency, because that's when dominoes like Equinemia Saint Brown and Byron Pringle and um, Crookshank, the uh, the safety, that's when those those dominoes started to fall. But it's like none of those are sexy signings that are going to be like, ooh, can't wait to see this guy at a bear uniform. Right. There were there were no signings like that uh, this offseason. And looking at the list of guys that you brought in, aside from maybe DJ Chark there weren't many other sightings that Lions fans get excited about, except maybe bringing in, bringing Jared Davis back.
0: Yeah. Well, I don't know how excited Lions fans got about that one to be completely honest, because he, he didn't play particularly well after lines drafted him in the first round regularly <laughs> thought of as, as a bust and, and understandably so, but he's also like an incredibly hard guy to hate because he's, he's a hard worker. He he's an honest interview um, and, and just a good person. So, I think it would like the fan base will split with that one, where it's like the fans have like a very high confidence in this coaching staff right now, and mm. so I think a lot of them think if there's anybody that can get something out of Jared Davis, it's probably this coaching staff. they they were also very very low on Matt Patricia, and understandably so there. So sure. I think I think a lot of Lions fans are giving anyone from that previous regime any player a little bit of a pass because. I mean, you look at the roster; it wasn't as bad as it is now, and I—I I mean, I can probably name the amount of players that got better under Matt Patricia on two fingers, right? Like that, like that's literally how how bad it was. So, I, Jared Davis is an intriguing one. I think of of everyone else, Deshaun Elliott is probably the one that has a best shot at like actually being a starter right now. I think he's slated to be a starter at safety problem with him is just injuries, um, which is why, again, a one-year deal probably makes a lot of sense for Detroit. Um, But, yeah, other than that, you're kind of looking more so at role players, special teamers, things like that. Um, The Lions just decided really not to go aggressive in free agency when it comes to adding starters.
2: So let's talk about the draft because the Lions and Lions fans had to hate their luck that they had – you know, number one, the second overall pick and another draft, another first round pick in tow, thanks to the uh, Stafford trade in yeah. what could have possibly been the worst year to draft a quarterback ever. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, because I know that 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 golf wasn't just dreadful or anything, but you guys know he's not your quarterback for the future. It's like Holmes brought him over because he knew him from L.A. He was a Jared Goff guy, uh, you know, kind of thing. Plus, it just made it easy and you know Jared Goff and two first round picks I think anybody would take that deal sure. um you know but it's just like um you know how are you guys feeling a going into the off season knowing what the quarterback class was going to be like and then you know in the draft where it's just like yeah not we're not going to get any of these guys and it's going to be another year of, of of Jared Goff uh this uh, in 2022
0: Yeah no I, I you you nailed it um because in terms of timing, it feels like it would have been perfect. Not just because the Lions had the second overall pick, but just because it feels like this team really wants to circle 2023 as the year it wants to compete for the division, yeah. compete for a playoff spot. Maybe not complete, compete for a championship next year, but compete for you know a, a significant jump into postseason contention. And you don't really do that with a rookie quarterback. So if you get one this year... You develop him for a year. You get him out there on the field maybe a little bit. Then 2023, he hits the ground running, and maybe you make your run. But you're right. I mean, from the get-go, it was pretty pretty clear that if there was going to be a quarterback in this draft class, he is going to beat expectations Uh, because, listen, Lions fans tried to talk themselves into a bunch of them a lot. Um, and, and even got, I got swept up in a little bit. I, I still was pretty sure they weren't going to get a quarterback, but there was a big contingent that was convinced Malik Willis was the guy that, that you're, you're going to look back on and at be like, number
2: two, that was the thing that was kind of blowing my mind is sure. that there were people trying to talk this into existence at number two. But again, the lines were kind
0: of in a unique spot where it was like, if this is a guy who, who needs to develop so much that you sit him for an entire year, maybe even two, he could do it in Detroit. They they have Jared Goff for three years. Yeah, they they can get by and and not have to worry in the future of when will that quarterback fall into their lap. And so I certainly understood the the idea behind it. And I'm not a quarterback scout. I'm I'm, I'm not great at at the draft. Just isn't my thing. So I just Me kind either. of went along You're a little bit with it. That, yeah. And then just like listen, like. I know Malik went in what the fourth round?
2: Third round. Yeah. Third late, round? Late third. Yeah.
0: Tennessee. And and, you know, a bunch of fans are now clowning all the fans that said get Malik at two, but like it's not it's not ridiculous to think that Malik could develop into a really good quarterback as a third round pick. It it certainly happens before. It it's a rarity. It would certainly break the mold, but it it, it could happen and, and maybe if it does, maybe the lines come to regret it a little bit. But I think what ended up happening made most Lions fans pretty excited regardless of what they thought of the quarterback. Well I was class. just
2: gonna ask is like because this kinda seems like for the second year in a row, the draft fell to the just the way that you wanted it to. Yeah. In and that you, you got the guy that you wanted and you didn't have to move up or down uh to get your hands on him because Jacksonville got it in their heads that uh was it Trayvon Young? Trayvon Walker, yeah. Walker. That yeah. Trayvon Walker was the was the number one guy, and so he goes number one overall to Jacksonville, which leads what many people consider to be the best player in the draft, Aiden Hutchinson, there for the taking. So not only is he what many people consider to be the best player in the draft, he's also a Michigan guy, which means Lions fans, for the most part, already love him, and now he's wearing the silver and blue.
0: <laughs> I, well, I would say about half of half of. Lions fans because there is a big contingent of Michigan state fans. Oh, who Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, not, not the not biggest fan. Aiden Hutchinson fans yeah. and some would, would call him a fraud because Michigan state shut him down and you know, all that, all that fun in, in state rivalry stuff. But, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it's worth noting that this was also just not a great draft class in general. Like Aiden, no. a lot of people say a guy like Aiden Hutchinson would have gone maybe outside the top 10 if, if this draft class was the same as it was, you know, in 2021, um, so th- there was a little bit of a letdown at that point, but it- it's hard to be mad about Aiden Hutchinson because, like you said, I wouldn't say unanimous necessarily, say or, or maybe even not even the majority, but a good amount of people thought he was the best player in this class. Um, he-, he does have that local flair to maybe sell jerseys, which I don't personally care about, but um, most of all is culture fit, right? I, I mentioned how important culture is, and mm. that dude – is just a relentless player on the field who is going to give 100% effort in the first, second, third, fourth quarter, overtime if there is. He'll 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 give effort in the locker room afterwards. Like, he's that kind of crazy player that, that I mean, you, we saw the video of, of, of Dan Campbell's reaction when, when Trayvon Walker goes first overall. Pretty significant fist pump from the dude because that was, I mean, they are just going to be kind of a match made in heaven in terms of personality fit. So... Uh, it, it it all kind of lines up and obviously need it, it, it meets a need there because pass rusher there, there's a this is a pass rush that really hasn't ranked in the top five probably probably hasn't ranked in the top ten since and was on the team like it's been that bad for that long and so mm. um, Aiden Hutchinson's you know well rounded player I, I wouldn't say he's you know, a a guy that's going to immediately be like a a Bosa brother or anything like that. But there are some think that is his ceiling eventually. Um, And and in the meantime, he's going to be really good against the run too. So, again, meet to need, really good culture fit, um, arguably the best player on the board. It's hard to get mad at that pick.
2: Yeah. Um, And then you had the 32nd pick, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I don't know what the hell the Vikings were thinking. Sure. Uh, But they thought it was a good idea to trade with a division rival and put a new weapon in their hands when uh, you trade up from 32 to 12 to take Jamison Williams out of Alabama, the wide receiver, uh, off the board. And as a Bear fan, I'm like, what the hell are you guys doing? (laughs) You know, not that I'm particularly afraid of Jamison Williams or anything like that, but it's just like, why are you helping them? What is wrong with you? (laughs) Let somebody else do that, and, you know, apparently – they just couldn't say no to the draft pick, so they let you guys make the pick and move up the board to take Williams. And uh, you know, so there he is, a brand new toy for Jared Goff to play with.
0: Yeah, man, that was that was a whirlwind of a like a, a three or four minute span where it's just like we're just finishing up writing stuff on Aiden Hutchinson, and then like one person in the media room was like, "Uh, the lines are back on the clock," and everyone's like, "What? What's happening?" And I think, of course, like the nat- national and in- natural inclination at that moment was like are they getting a quarterback right now are they moving up and getting a quarterback like i
2: mean that's what i I watched on the nfl network and daniel jeremiah was absolutely certain it was going to be you know like pickett or willis or somebody like that coming off the board uh you know because they moved up 20 spots yeah uh to you know to do that and, and gave up some some pretty decent draft capital in order to do it too
0: well yeah, and that's the other thing. So the way the, the trade ended work ended up working out is basically the Lions traded up twenty spots in, in the first round. They traded up twenty spots from the sec from the third to the second round, but then gave up thirty four. Right. And when you put it that way, it doesn't sound that bad. It, right. And and in a lot of ways it wasn't that bad. Um I, I think and I think that's why a person like me who is almost universally against trading up in the NFL draft, especially when you're a team like the Detroit lions who they had pick two 32 and 34 and 46, I want to say. So, you know, four picks in the top 50. Why are you trading that? You need as many players as possible. This roster sucks. (laughs) But, but when you, you, you essentially only lose one pick, you know, um, in terms of like net picks, um, granted, you know it is a is it it is a top forty pick. I think it 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 makes it feel a little bit better, and and you can look at whatever trade chart you want. I I would say most of them favored Detroit, but not all of them. Um, and then you get a huge need, an absolute huge need in wide receiver, and and arguably a guy who would have been the first one off the board if it wasn't for the ACL tear, tear in the in the national championship game, right? Well, suddenly, you loosen your 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 vice grip on, on the trade up, you know, hate. And, and suddenly, you're like, okay, well, this is actually kind of exciting. Lions just got a guy who could arguably be the best defensive player in this draft, got a guy that could arguably be the best offensive player in this draft. Like, this is a team that needed blue-chip players. This is a team that doesn't have a lot of all-pro, pro bowl type of players. Right. If they sacrifice one extra pick to get two, well then, suddenly I I I don't feel like I'm in a position to
2: complain. Yeah, like I said, my beef was more with the Vikings than it was with you sure. guys. Yeah. Like, why are you helping them, you idiots? Because they did it again. Because yeah. that 34th pick they got from you, they traded to Green Bay right. to get Christian Watson. I was like, wait yeah. till I talk to Chris Gates tomorrow night, man. This is like we're gonna have a conversation about this. It's like, <laughs> I know he's new on the job, you know this Quasi right. Adolfo guy, but what the, you know, what are you doing? Why are it's you – it's like you're trading like he's still with Cleveland, and it doesn't matter that you're trading with Detroit and Minnesota, like, with Detroit and Green Bay. Like you're in division with these guys now. You're not supposed to be doing business with them on draft day, <laughs> at least not in the first two – not on day one or day two. These right. are guys that are, gonna, that are in the position to really hurt you twice a year. You yeah. know, twice a year. It's like day three, yeah, you can trade them a fifth-round pick. Who cares? But a first-round pick, a second-round pick, you don't do that. You're not in division. You just don't because you think you're helping yourself. You're really helping them uh, as well, or at least the potential for it to help them more than it helps you is is there. And I think on both moves, you guys won that trade and the Packers won their trade as well. So it's like, okay, so these two teams got better with the help of a division rival that they have to, you know, they're going to be able to use these weapons on these guys twice a year. It's like, I just couldn't wrap my head around it. It's like, what? Are they doing? So yeah, yeah, definitely didn't see it coming. But yeah, th- those those are the types of moves that
0: that are either going to be make you look really really stupid in about three or four years when when <laughs> you have a, an entire rap sheet, or maybe, I mean that that's the other thing. Like you also look really really smart if you fleece in a if a if you fleece a division opponent. Um, but and there's I'm a guessing, lot of risk. there. Yeah, I'm guessing
2: risk. that's what he was thinking. But like you're right, the risk. Yeah. Is off the charts, man. It, it really is. And especially since these are guys that can, you know, not once a year, but twice, yep. you know, and could get really good. And then all of us like, hey, you traded away the pick that drafted a guy that specializes in kicking the crap out of your team specifically. So, <laughs> that you know, thank God for that. Good job, you know. So I was like, yeah, we could have won the game if not for the guy that we traded away uh, catching three touchdown passes or, you know, or whatever it is. You know, it's just – the potential for that is, uh, especially in this division, is yeah. uh, off the charts. So I was like, "Wait till I talk to Chris Gates from the Daily Norseman about that one uh, tomorrow night." That's going to be interesting. So, anyway, uh, day two for the uh, for the Lions. Uh, another edge rusher and, and Josh uh, Paschal or is it Pascal? Pascal, yeah, Pascal from Kentucky, and then a safety. So more defense. Kirby Joseph from. Uh, Illinois to wrap up uh, day two. So pick forty six, picks ninety seven. So even even with the moves, four picks in the top one hundred, uh, yeah. you know, and, and uh, bolstering the defense, and then getting, like you said, it was somebody who probably could have been the first first wide receiver off the board if not for the ACL tear, but still was good enough to go number twelve uh, overall.
0: Yeah, yeah. Those those other two picks, Pascal and, and Joseph, those are kind of. Well, Pascal's a really interesting story. You know, he's he's a guy who who overcame cancer at, at Kentucky. And again, like I'm I'm gonna keep mentioning it. Very much a, a, a culture guy, a guy who who's who's going to be a locker room leader, things like that. Um I don't know if he's going to have a huge role in his rookie year. Um he's a guy that can slide inside. But it, it, it's all in an effort to just revamp, again, that defensive front that, that has been so bad for so long. So you develop Charles Harris last year. You get Aiden Hutchinson this year. You got Josh Pascal in the draft this year. You're hopefully at some point getting Romeo Acquire back, who tore his Achilles in week four, um, but was coming off a 10-sack season of his own. So. And 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 last year too, right? They they get Ali McNeil in the in the in the third round. They get Levi Onsorike in the second round. And you're hoping that those guys take a a year or two jump. Those are defensive tackles. So now two defensive tackles in twenty in the 2021 draft. Two edge rushers in this year's draft. It's clear that they are trying to get better in the trenches. But because these guys are so young, because um some of them are coming off some some injuries and and, and things like that, it's going to take a while. Again, patience, patience, patience. But it's clear where this team wants to get better and and what their plan is to do so.
2: Uh, day three, tight end James Mitchell in the fifth round out of Virginia Tech. Linebacker, some boring names here, man. I don't think it's uh, up uh, up Detroit's alley here. Malcolm Rodriguez <laughs> in the uh, sixth round. Another edge rusher, James Houston out of Jackson State in the sixth and then the seventh rounder to wrap it up, Chase Lucas from Arizona State. So none of these guys can, actually I don't see one, guy that would be on your, 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 it's going on right now, right? The, 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 the tournament for, for the name bracket. That's right. The name bracket.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, chase Lucas, I think is up there. Okay. Uh, I don't know what it is about that name, but yeah, not, not a strong class when it comes to, to name bracket. Yeah, because uh,
2: most of these guys are only like two or three syllables for the last names. I mean, right? Onzerike, thats what six or seven you know syllables uh, yeah. for that one. And you know, it like, was much better last year. Yeah, last year. But you was, know, you got
0: you got DJ Charkin free agency. That's sure, a good two sure. seed right there. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's it's always fascinating when I see you guys tweet those and and then you go and you look at the names. It's like, dear God, these are all on the same team. So <laughs> yep. it's like, why do they do this? It's like I don't know. They do it every single year. And it's always entertaining as hell to keep track of. And But with, what's funny is, I don't know if, if you guys like the ballot stuff or whatever it is. There always seems to be a name that either makes it or wins it. That is just like, why did this name win? There were so yes. many better ones.
0: Yeah. I, so, yeah, we, we do a, a bracket of just 64 of what I deem to be the best names on the team and, and just let people vote on and, and run it like, you know, an NCAA tournament. And, yeah, you're right. Basically, it's just now become accepted that people cheat. <laughs> Just for fun, because like it, this isn't something that we need to take that seriously. So Damian Ratley won last year,
2: right? Which It's an okay, not a name, bad name, not a bad but name. It's,
0: it's not Amon Ross St. Brown,
2: right? Or it was Enrique. You know, yeah, yeah. what's his first name? Levi. 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 Oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Halapuli Vati Vaitai. Right. Like, you know what? I still remember how you told me how to pronounce that guy's name.
0: Can you do it for me? Or, uh, what, 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 what's the name again? One more time. Halapuli Vati Vitae.
2: Hala Vati Vitae. Love it. I love you know, it. Yes. Play that funky music, white boy. It's like, yep. that's probably one of my favorite things you've ever said to me.
0: I, I like to tell as many people that, uh, and I, I think it was, I can't remember what Eagles writer it was, that the, it was either Michael Kist or someone else, but he, they're the ones that passed it along to me because obviously he was an Eagle before he, he made it to Detroit, but yeah. Yeah. Um, Damian Ratley, Amani Oruwariye won it one year. Quandre Diggs, Jace Billingsley was like a crazy story because his hometown of of Winnemucca, Nevada. Oh God, got word of the tournament, and you know he he was an undrafted rookie, I think, at the time. So they're just like they're searching for any news about him because he's in a small town, mm-hmm. and so they they stumble upon this this name bracket tournament, and they essentially get the entire city to vote <laughs> for him in every single round. <laughs>
2: and he won but that's awesome man i mean that's a lot of exposure for you guys and and a small win for a guy that's probably not even in the league anymore he is not he nailed it so so overall thoughts i mean i know you guys are probably in love with your first two picks but everything else that followed thoughts on pascal and beyond after that
0: yeah i mean i i think it's going to take a while for some of these guys to to really make it on on the field um a lot of them will, will, will contribute on special teams. When it, you know, because they had that just a huge kind of gap between day two and day three because they they ninety seventh overall with that Kirby Joseph pick, and then they don't pick again until the fifth round one seventy seven. So there's right. an eighty eighty pick gap there. So everything else is just kind of like throwing darts at a dartboard. The the one guy that I think might has might have an opportunity to outplay his draft position is is Malcolm Rodriguez, the linebacker out of Ohio or sorry Oklahoma State. Yeah. Um. He's a guy that he's just, he's really, really smart. He's, he, in, in fact, the linebacker coach calls it him the smartest young player he's ever been around, um, which is, is is high praise. And he's a little undersized, but he's hes a former wrestler, and that kind of taught him how to use his body as, you know, in, in terms of leverage sure, um, in, in, in really smart ways. And so the lines are really thin at linebacker, I, don't, I would say they have maybe one guy who's a for-sure starter, and Alex Anzalone, and, and even him, not, not a great player. He's not He's not a guy that should necessarily be starting. So I think by the end of the season, you could see Malcolm Rodriguez get some starting reps um, just because they are so weak at that position, and I think he's a guy that, that could make a bigger impact right away. But other than that, I think, as you mentioned, like obviously they went heavy on defense with, I think, I want to say six of their eight picks were on defense. Uh, much needed their defense was not very good um but yeah yeah i mean I, I think overall they they hit on kind of their biggest needs in those first four picks on on day one and day two, and then kind of just filled in the rest with with again high character guys, high upside guys, but might take a while to develop
2: right, and I think um <clears throat> excuse me, I think that was a philosophy that ryan poles was was after as well. We're looking for high character. High-character guys, we're looking for guys that fit a specific profile. Yeah. You know, like our two DBs that we drafted are right out the top in the second round there are hitters, or at least that's the reputation coming out yeah. of college. These are guys who are going to lay the wood uh, to somebody and, and uh, you know, add some of the aggression uh, to the defense and, uh, you know, the kind of guys that, that will be able to take the coaching that um, Iberflu says that our guys are going to endure. You know, he's like, you you need to bring your your track shoes because we're gonna run you. Yes, you know, it's all about high motor, high effort with this defense that they're gonna be putting in. And if uh, you know, play starts and you're on the other side of the field from where the ball goes and when the play ends, you're still over there. You're not gonna see the field very much in a bare uniform. So it's, you know, it's it's they're they're after a specific kind of player, and it looks like Holmes uh, is doing the same thing as far as like. You know, maybe we, we're, we're, we're still not in a position where we're drafting the best guys, but we're drafting the best guys for us yep. as far as like what we're looking for and what exactly. we're trying to accomplish. Uh, That's here. exactly what he's doing. Yep. So before we get to the schedule, obviously training camp comes first, and you guys were, I don't know, deemed or cursed to be the hard knocks team. <laughs> how are you feeling about that? I love it. Yeah.
0: Personally, I, I think I've been dying for this for years. And it's almost a blessing that it, it's taken this long because I find this coaching staff, I find a lot of these players to be oh, yeah. extremely entertaining.
2: I can't wait to have unfettered access to uh, to Dan Campbell. A hundred
0: percent. Listen, like just being out there during OTAs, like Aaron Glenn is out there spinning on his back like a break dancer because <laughs> the defense beat the offense in one in one rep. Like that's the kind of stuff that you see on a daily basis. I can only imagine what's happening behind the closed doors, too. Right. And so, I, listen, I, I know I'm too close to the situation to to maybe necessarily say this with confidence. But I do think that the Lions are going to win over some some people that that watch Hard Knocks. I think that I think they're going to gain some fans. I I, I don't know if they're going to get crazy ratings because I feel like Hard Knocks has just fallen off for whatever reason. And, I think yeah, people don't think care about right. it yeah. as much anymore. I don't know if Dan Campbell is enough of a pull. As soon as some of these clips go on Twitter, I think it might hook some people in man. I, th- I think the lines are, are a really interesting team and I think they're a very entertaining team um, at least before before Sundays. We'll see, We'll see how they entertaining they are in the actual games. but I think when you when you look at what they're doing, you look at the kind of the strategy they have when it comes to coaching and and player reputations and, and, and the way they run practice. I think it's going to be very entertaining television and, and I I'm, I'm really excited to see it.
2: Yeah. I, I, I hope because we still have the same owners, unfortunately, but I hope that maybe Ryan Poles won't share the same view as Ryan pace, as far as um, allowing hard knocks to, to be yeah. whether it be training camp or the regular, I was like, I, I don't think I'd want to see the bears during the regular season, but training camp. Absolutely. I, w- I would love to see how they construct a the roster or who the characters on the team are what undrafted free agent are they going to follow to see whether or not he makes the roster, uh, you know, kind of thing? those that's kind of like the formula for. Right. for hard knocks. Who's that? Who's yep. that undrafted guy that that's, you know, on the fringe on the bubble? Can he make the roster? Will he get that call? You know, right. that kind of thing. And then, of course, I'm sure we're going to be all over Aiden Hutchinson and Jameson Williams or sure. or something like that, seeing how they're handling, you know, the money and the responsibility that comes with being a high draft choice and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And then, of course, Dan Campbell being the (laughs) – according to the rest of the country that doesn't get to see him on a daily basis, a total whack job uh, of a head coach (laughs) and, you know, how he's going to be out there and, you know, how does uh, Brad Holmes handle being in front of the camera and, and, uh, you know, what will they share, what will they tell the cameras to turn away from and and all that kind of stuff. So uh, it it is an interesting series. And you're right, it has kind of fallen off, especially since – they've done the Cowboys like five times now. It's like <laughs> right. somebody else volunteer or the NFL tells them like, you know what? You're going to be the, the hard knocks team this year, as opposed to taking volunteers. It's like, you know what? It's your turn. Yeah. And uh, I would love to see the bears uh, do it, especially for the training camp. Uh, especially now that it's all in Hallis hall. Right. You know, like we're, we're not talking about going out to Bourbonnais anymore, or, or God forbid, even Platteville in the old days, but uh, you know we're we're there. That's that's where they're going to be every day, regardless. Is Hallis Hall? So I yeah. would uh, and, I would like to see that.
0: And the Lions were one of those teams that, that couldn't, you know, quote unquote, couldn't say no because they weren't they didn't have a first time head coach. They weren't in the playoffs in the past two years and right. whatever. There was some other third one. They haven't been on the show in in the past ten years. Um, so some speculate, and this is pure speculation. I want I want to make sure. I'm not reporting anything. Um, but <laughs> but there was speculation that um, there was kind of like a trade-off, like a quid pro quo because Lions ended up getting the 2024 NFL draft. Ah, So it was just like, we'll do this if you give us this.
2: Sure. Nothing
0: wrong with Which that. Which makes them. Right. Yeah,
2: nothing wrong with that.
0: I Everybody wins. That's a fair trade. I don't, I don't mind. And, and the, just the last thing I'll say on Hard Knocks, too, is like, I I think the reason why the Lions might not, I mean, they're not thrilled about it, but I think the reason they're probably not that scared about it either is because everyone has just been so upfront about everything that, like, they don't have anything to hide. They are themselves 100% of the time, whether it's in front of a podium, whether it's on the practice field, whether it's behind closed doors, I don't think there's going to be a lot that surprised Lions fans. I think a lot will surprise National fans that aren't as in tune with the team, but we're like I don't think Dan Campbell has much of a filter when he's in front of a podium, so I don't think anything that he says behind the scenes is going to be that different. It's just going to be more.
2: Yeah, aside from a guy that looks like he should be leading a biker gang uh, or whatever, <laughs> um, uh, because I'm, I'm obsessed with YouTube, I watch that almost more than I watch television these days. Last year going into the season, I watched a lot of those kind of like hard knock style videos that the Lions were releasing going into yeah. the season. So I got to see a lot more of of Dan Campbell. And you and I talked about it prior to the season last year. It's like, I didn't have the same opinion of Dan Campbell that most people did where he's coming on talking about, you know, biting kneecaps and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, you got to see it in its full context after what right. they just suffered through with Matt Patricia. This yep. guy is a breath of fresh air. 100%. You know, he's got a pulse, he's got a personality and he seems like he cares about his players more than Patricia. As far as, you know, these are just soldiers that are going to follow my commands and that's all right. there is to it. To have yeah. this guy come in and he's the one that's going to lead the charge, this is a breath of fresh air compared to what they just, you know, got rid of uh, in in uh, in Patricia. And seeing those videos and, and whatnot, like I think one of them was he visited the Ford plant uh, or mm-hmm. something like that, and he's going around making sure he talked to everybody he ran into yep. uh, and, and things like that. It's like he just seemed like a – a genuine guy. Like I said, he looks like somebody who should lead a biker game should be walking around wearing a leather cut. But, uh, <laughs> other than that, you know, he's a, he, he seems like he's, he's, he's a good choice and a good fit for what the lions are trying to do. Yeah. He's, he's a
0: genuinely good person. Like he's a guy that, that really, like you said, like he's going to shake everyone in the room's hand and, and cares. And, you know, people might make fun of it a little bit, but like, when the Lions lost a heartbreaker, he cried at the podium after the game, like because he his heart just broke so much for the players in some of those instances. Yeah, um, and 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 yeah, like that. He one of the, uh, the the one of the first things he did to really win me over was when they showed video of him stepping into the Lions facility for the first time, and he steps onto the practice field. Remember, he played one year with the Detroit Lions. So he's a former Lions player mm-hmm. and he steps onto the field and he's just like, it's all coming back to me. And 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 again, tears up. And it's just like it's, it's such an emotional moment for him to return to a city where, you know, he didn't play most of his football here, but he knows how important football is to this city and how, how starved they are for a good yeah. football team. So for him to just take it all in in that moment was like, oh, this guy is like, his heart is in this more than maybe we've ever seen.
2: Right. So, I mean, and those are the guys you want leading your team. Yeah. You know, like I, I get a feeling, like I got a similar feeling with uh, Iberflus. He got choked up when the, the, uh, the team equipment manager was giving him his hat. Like the the one with the old the, the old style cursive B that you know that uh, Hallis yeah. wore back in the day, yeah, yeah, kind of thing, and telling him the history of it, how many head coaches he's given that hat to, uh, you know, and all that kind of stuff. It was a really touching video, and you could see Eberflus being affected by what the guy was saying, like yeah. like you were saying, Campbell walks onto the field, and it, oh, it's all coming back to me now. It that was like that was that moment for him was mm-hmm. like he's standing there in the locker room, he's there with this equipment manager who's been there. It's probably since Ditka was, head. I mean, he's been there forever, that equipment manager. And here he is, he's handing him this coach. And he's not like, all right, guy, just give me the goddamn hat. He's actually <laughs> listening yeah. to what the guy is saying, yeah. and he's being affected by every word of it. It's like, okay, you know, this guy might be uh, what we're looking for. Because I doubt Matt Nagy had a similar uh, feeling. Because, you know, this is a speech he's given to every head coach he's seen walk through the door. Right. And in the last 10 seasons, we've seen quite a few, unfortunately. So, you know. In there. But, and you, you know, do you see how, how Iberflus is being affected by it? He puts it on, you can see the, you know, his, his eyes, you know, glazed over and and whatnot, as far as the tears, uh, you know, trying to, you're trying to hold him in uh kind of thing. But it's like, that's the kind of thing that you want to see is, you know, he's all in and it, this is, this means everything to him. So we're going to get everything from him. Yeah, so exactly. So let's talk about this uh schedule. Um, zero primetime games unless you're counting the national tv game on thanksgiving which is just right. uh, a mandate for the for the lions they are a thanksgiving team no matter what so um, but no primetime games no no monday nighter or you know uh, and and i guess thanksgiving is your thursday night game cuz you don't have a thursday nighter That's right. in there yep. as well so yep. i mean the nfl's like hey man if you want the spotlight you're going to have to earn it uh, this right. year we gave you a monday night game last year uh, you know week two, and yes. i mean you, you you did well in the first half, but not so much sure. in the second, but uh you know, but then you lost the first ten out of eleven football games, so i don 't know if we want to have that on national t v right but um start with a couple of uh home games, home for the Eagles, home for the commanders uh at Minnesota, so your first division game, week three, then home for the Seahawks, then at New England, so out of the first five games before an early week six bye, three home games in the first five weeks. Yeah. Not, not a
0: bad start to the schedule. Obviously Philly is, is maybe the, the trickiest out of that.
2: Maybe, yeah. It's like maybe a lot of winnable than, games than there f- for you guys, you know, the, for sure. Yeah. Washington, Minnesota, and especially since you beat Minnesota already. And then Seattle's still working on it. Uh, kind right. of thing. I don't know if they're even, I don't know if they regressed or got better, you know, with this. I mean, obviously with losing Russell Wilson, that's, that's a huge step back for, for a team that wasn't very good to begin with. And, uh, so we'll see what ends up happening there. But, uh, you know, three games, three out of the first four games at home and, and uh, a decent chance for you guys to have at least one or two wins before the bye week this year. Yeah, no question. I, th- I think
0: Lions fans would probably be disappointed with anything less than two there. And, of course, there there are plenty of Lions fans that think they should win nine or ten or eleven games this year. <laughs> I'm, I'm not one of those. so. That's... Uh, but, yeah, I, I think it's realistic to think that they should win at least one of those. Maybe maybe two and three would be pushing it in my my opinion, but Philly is a team that that was one of those teams that blew out in Ford Field last year. So you know maybe some Lions players are are going to be looking for revenge in that one, but it's a tough matchup for them. I like I think Washington is probably the, the winning the the easiest looking uh, game on that first slate. Maybe, maybe it's Seattle at home as well. And then, yeah, like I, I, I kind of like that their first game is at Minnesota. Their first division game, I should say, is at Minnesota because they, to me, are kind of like the 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 litmus test. Because, and, and hold your comments for now, Bears fans. <laughs> but but Lions fans believe that right now they're better than the Bears. The debate is: Are they as good as the Vikings? Are they are they the second team in the division or the third team in the division? So going to the Minnesota early, kind of getting that one out of the way seeing where they stand is is really going to be a nice litmus test to see where this Lions team has – how much progress, I guess, they've made since last
2: last year. Well, allow me to pull back the curtain here for just a moment. This is actually (laughs) our second attempt at this uh, interview. That's right. uh, Because uh, Jeremy had a construction crew outside of his house literally trying to beat their way in when (laughs) we tried to have this interview take place uh, last night. But one of the things that we talked about while we were waiting for them to wrap up was – was what you just said. Lions fans are, you know, automatically think that with the Bears in their spot and what you guys are doing in year two, that that's two wins right off the board It's like, here's the thing. Right now, I'm not in a position to disagree with you because I sure. have no idea what we have on our team. Right. Um, I, I it's like, I know who we I know who we have, but I don't know what we have. I don't know if this is all going to work and it's going to come together beautifully and our coaches are going to do like they said and put our guys in the best chance to succeed and that's what we're going to see this year. Like, maybe not wins, but definitely progress and certainly not the ineptitude that we've had to endure for the last three seasons after everybody figured us out in twenty after the 2018 uh, season, you know? I right. was like, I would love to argue with that and be like, please, it's the Lions. Don't slow down. It's like right now, like... Eh. You know, it's like, we've got some talent, we've got some pieces, but so does every other NFL team. But it's just a matter of how this is all going to come together under this new coaching staff. Will this two-thirds of a brand-new roster come together well and, you know, make uh, make the progress that we want? Will we be the worst team in the NFL like a lot of talking heads seem to think we're going to be? At least that's what's been the hot topic the last few weeks uh, for them. And, you know, it's like that's that's the part where it's like I can't wait for the season to start so we can start answering these questions because right here right now I just don't have the data to agree or disagree one way or the other. So it's like I can't right. wait for the season to start so we can start, you know, leaning one way or the other on whether or not the Bears are going to be good or if we're going to be competent or if we're just going to be awful and we have to grin and bear it until we get to 2023 when we have all of our picks and all of the money to be able to go out and close the gap a bit.
0: Yeah, and I I think the point of view from most Lions fans is the Bears are where the Lions were last year, and so the Lions are are one step ahead in in the rebuild, and therefore they they automatically sweep the Bears, which is where I step (laughs) in and be like, okay, slow your roll, Lions fans. Like, I agree that right now I think the Lions are going to be a better team than the Bears. That doesn't mean I am just granting them two games against Chicago, because as we talked about last night, um, while we weren't recording, like... These Lions-Bears matchups are just insane so and weird. ridiculous, and no one ever feels good about their team after them. And so, I mean, I I would predict, I think, a split every single year, no matter what each team looks like, just because <laughs> the, the games are insane. They're, yeah. they're weird. I mean, it probably
2: it, should have happened last year. It certainly right. It should have happened in opposition in 2020. We should sure. have lost week one. We should have won week 10 or week 11, whichever uh, right. It was like you you guys should have won the first game, we should have won the second, instead, it went the other way around i mean that 's how weird the yeah. uh the season is and and last year, you guys marched your way down the field three three red zone trips in the first half came away with zero points uh in those trips, two turnovers and a missed field goal or oh no turnover and uh, a turnover on downs. So essentially yeah. three turnovers in yep. three red zone trips in the first half, and you end up losing that football game, and then we won't even talk about the disaster that was Thanksgiving Day. I mean, <laughs> right. good God. So, you know, it's like it's, it's, it's difficult to just automatically say, like, yeah, this is going to happen a certain way, especially with the position that both of our teams are in right, right now. The, so right. you just yeah, don't know. That-
0: There's so many ifs. Yeah. And and you know, with you guys, it's it's turning over two-thirds of the roster. With with the Lions, it's how many of these guys are gonna be healthy? How many of these guys are going to take that year two jump from last year? And and yeah, like how how much is everyone gonna take a year two jump? How much how much that we saw in the lines go three and three down the stretch? Jared Goff went three and one down in his last four starts. How much of that is actually gonna carry over? How much of that was just you played bad teams at bad times or you, you it's just such a small sample size it's hard to be like, oh well Jared Goff turned a quarter. Now he's gonna be you know the Jared Goff he was that, that went to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Like
2: it, Or the, the guy that proved himself to be the number one overall pick in the in the twenty sixteen draft and stuff right. like that. Yeah. So. It's just
0: there's there's not like you said, there's just not enough evidence of anything right now where I am not going to say Oh, the lions are going to sweep this team. Oh, the lions are definitely going to win this game. Oh, the lions are definitely going to lose this game. Just well, too I'll much. I'll tell to you what, time. man.
2: I'd love to see it. Uh, I really would for the for the lions to to turn this thing on its head. Because I'm a I'm a kid of the late '80s and early '90s, as far as like when I was just absolutely consuming football and building my love for the sport. And those were the days of of Barry Sanders and the Lions making frequent trips to the playoffs. So yeah. I. I'd love to see that happen again, just because it's something we haven't seen in a while. And would probably mean green Bay isn't in the goddamn playoffs <laughs> Exactly. Or something. If, if, if the bears and the lions can go back to trading division wins, like they were in the early nineties, I'd be a happy camper. So let's go back to doing that. And then green Bay finishes at best in third place. And Evan Western and Acme packing company could go ahead, crying off in their beer and their cheese. So
0: <laughs> I'm with you a hundred percent. So, Early week
2: six bye. Fan, no fan.
0: Not I'm never a fan of an early bye. Yeah. yeah. And so it feels like lines have been cursed with that for a while. Last year they, they got a pretty late one in. I think it was week ten, but week six. I mean, you have to go twelve straight games to finish the season. Yeah. No break. It's no a break.
2: Lot. Yeah. So here we go. Uh, after the bye, you're at the Cowboys, home for the Dolphins, home for the Packers, and then our first meeting, week ten in chicago so that's the the four games coming off of the bye. so two division games and um you know the dolphins and the cowboys who are going to be interesting teams this year it's like you know did the new head coach new philosophy out there and what a mess that was when firing brian flores and all that kind of stuff hiring a guy nobody else interviewed uh as your head coach and uh you know who's probably spent more time in the classroom about football than they ever did playing it, uh, kind of thing. So can he be the next Joe Gibbs, or will he be a, a joke? But like, what the hell were they thinking, hiring this guy, uh, kind of thing? And then the Cowboys, who on paper regressed during the off season, like they are not as good a football team on paper as they were at the end of it. They lost a lot of players, traded away Amari Cooper. They lost you know a couple of offensive linemen that are playing in different. Like Leo Collins is in Cincinnati now, and. Uh, and all that kind of stuff you know by week seven we should have a pretty good idea of who these teams are going to be and that's what you guys have on the slate coming off the bye yeah and
0: i think you nailed it like at this point probably have a good idea that green bay is going to be pretty good but miami and dallas are just they they feel like 50 50 toss-ups between like they could be legitimate contenders or they could be disasters Mm -hmm. um because both both of those franchises kind of have that that the That variance every year, I feel like, because sometimes Miami looks like they're on the verge of finally winning the AFC East and and becoming something big, but most of the time they're not. And then mm -hmm. Dallas is just like, I mean, they were were a really good team last year, and they just completely blow it in the playoffs, and now will they beat, like... Will they be able to, to match that level? I, I think you're right. Like
2: yeah, I just got done talking to the entire NFC East as far as yeah. like four representatives. And the running theme that was a part of every single conversation I had was no one has repeated as division yeah. champion since 2004. So it's been nearly 20 years since somebody went back to back and winning the division so, with the cowboys having the off season that they had with the way that their season ended and that sour taste they all have in their mouths, they're not really set up very well to be the first repeat champion in nearly two decades and the history of that division says ever since the realignment in two thousand and two, there's been one repeat champion in o three and o four and then everything every every season after that's been musical chairs uh you know and it's like worst the first isn't out of. Uh, out of the realm of possibility, so don't sleep on the Giants this year because, uh, you know, maybe Brian Dable comes out there with some day one magic and they put something together and, you know, they they take the the division in 2022. Uh, you know, maybe the Eagles figure it out. Maybe the Commanders got it going on. It's just like you can't just automatically come in and say, oh, well, it's the Cowboys. I mean, obviously, no. It's the right. NFC East and history says otherwise. So until I see the Cowboys come out of the gate at 9-0 or something like that, I'm going to leave it open to the field as opposed to just picking them outright to to win uh, that division. So we'll, we'll see how it all goes in uh, in Dallas. So um, yeah, and the same thing with the Dolphins. Uh, I was when I was talking to our Dolphins guy because we play the NFC East, AFC East as well. Right. Um, we were talking about how how different their season could be because they had like three losses by less than three points, and all of them had like a missed field goal involved or something like That's that. Right. So instead yeah. of finishing because they went like one in seven and then won seven in a row and then lost the last game of the season to miss the, the playoffs and finished nine and eight. You get any one of those three wins during that seven game losing streak, you're 12 and five. You win the division because Buffalo was 11 and six last year. So, you know, that's a completely different season. Brian Flores probably doesn't get fired and you have a completely different off season versus what you had. I mean, it's just how the ball bounces and, and how it all goes and, We'll see how they respond year one to that new head coach and the philosophy that he's bringing in. Yeah. So it like, can always get it. in in theory you're like, oh well, we have a really good
0: team. Let's just build off of that. Let's just <laughs> look, and but with the new head coach and take it into the next level. I mean that was that was what the the idea was behind Matt Patricia, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They, you fire Jim Caldwell after back to back nine and seven seasons, the first Lions head coach to go back to back winning seasons in in about twenty years. Yes, yeah, so it's like Wayne Fonts. Right, until uh, so you bring in Matt Patricia, a guy with a, a winning pedigree in in New England, he'll he'll get him over that hump. And of course, with any head coach change, there's there's going to be a significant amount of, of roster turnover just because you're you're running different schemes and all that. But there, it wasn't expected to be a long turnaround, and and we all saw how that one actually worked out. So yeah, just got worse really, as
2: you went along on that one. So yeah,
0: and it's not like Miami has a great institutional culture right now. I think there's a lot of yeah. A lot of stuff going on over there, so this this one could truly go in either direction. Right.
2: So after the uh, after coming to Chicago week week ten, then you're at the New York Giants before you come home for Thanksgiving. You're hosting the Bills, uh, then home again for the Jaguars after your mini buy, and then home for Minnesota week fourteen. So three straight home games. Yeah. Um. You know Buffalo on Thanksgiving, Jacksonville, and then Minnesota. Before heading out to the Jets uh, to start off the final quarter of the season, yeah, it's uh,
0: that. That's I think this is maybe the most interesting stretch, and in, in maybe if you if you sneak the, the the Jets, yeah, in week fifteen in there because this is like if the Lions are somehow entering kind of Thanksgiving around the five hundred level, this is where they could make a little bit of a run. And, yeah. and again, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself and, and say this is a team that's destined to make the playoffs or anything. I'm not saying any of that, but. If they can weather kind of that storm, where you, you're, you're beating or, or, or splitting with a lot of these teams that, that that could be playoff contenders early in the year, New York, at, or the, I should say the Giants on the road, the Jets on the road, Jacksonville, Minnesota, and and a, 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 and I'm sorry, and and Buff Well, Buffalo is tough one, right? Buffalo's yeah. probably the toughest one on the schedule. Maybe since it's on Thanksgiving, you know the lines have a little bit little extra oomph on them, but I think you can probably pretty fairly chalk that one as a as a loss. But (laughs) I don't know. You 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 split the the road New York games. You beat Jacksonville and then maybe beat Minnesota. We're talking about a three and two run there with a couple more winnable games down the stretch after that. Yeah, I mean,
2: but look, here's your last six games after Thanksgiving against Buffalo home for Jacksonville, home for Minnesota at the jets at the Panthers and then right. home for the bears, which win, lose loser draw is always a tough game. And then sure. at, at green Bay who may or may not be playing for something at that point
1: uh, right.
2: in the season. So yeah, if you guys are in a spot, this is a good way to finish out the year. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I
0: think even bears fans would admit like that is a splittable schedule for the last six games.
2: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Even for a Lions team that, that, won three games last year, I think. So, yeah, I, I, that's why I think those, those four games out of the buy Dallas, Miami, green Bay, Chicago, those are really key games. Assuming that they've won one or two
2: games before that. Yeah. Cause it um, sets the stage for everything that comes after it.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So if they can come out of that bye and, and hit the ground running a bit and you know, I don't expect them to go three and one on that stretch or anything like that, but hmm. if they can, if they can even get one, maybe two wins out of that, suddenly there's, there's, a path to where at least they're playing some meaningful games in December, which is something that the Lions really haven't done in four years.
2: Yeah. I mean, one of the things, like when I would do my keys to the game, going into a game, especially against a team like Detroit, who in both of our matchups hadn't won a game yet, one of my <laughs> keys would be don't give this team any hope. You know, <laughs> do, don't do anything that's going right. to give them a, an idea that they've got a shot in this one because you're just asking for trouble. You know, things can go wrong, uh, you know, and and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, week four, uh, the football gods saw to it that the Lions just kept shooting themselves in the foot there, even though they were doing way better than the Bears were in the first half with the, you know, the three red zone trips there and and the start of the uh, football game uh, and everything. The turnovers and the turnover on downs nipped that in the bud. Um, But, you know, the Thanksgiving game and and here you are you're a week or two removed from the from the non-loss against the <laughs> Steelers and you're on national TV early game here you are the home crowd is there and uh and all that kind of stuff it's a winnable game which you guys didn't have many of those uh last year the bears didn't come stumbling into that one for sure and you know it goes all the way down to the wire before the bears can kick a field goal to uh, to win the football game, and it was just a disaster of a game leading up to that moment. I mean, not to mention you yeah. and I talked about it last night. The final minute of that game with Dan Campbell calling four timeouts in the last <laughs> minute, of, you know, and Nagy, you know, helped him get that fourth one in because he beat him to it on one of right. those uh, turn uh, timeouts and, and, and everything. So uh, it's definitely a, a, a stretch of the schedule where those those are a lot of winnable games there at at, at a very key point. Uh, in the season. So, yeah. but it's also like, God forbid, if you guys don't get off to the start, that makes that part of the season count. I'm sure there will be a lot of annoying talk about losing for draft position and things like right. that, which is always fun to entertain. It's like, that's when, that's when NFL Twitter becomes a very fun place to be where it's just like, we're not going to go to the playoffs, just lose the game to get the higher draft choice. It's like, yeah, cause that's worked out for the lions in the past, right? having yeah. the highest pick and picking the top guy, right? you know, yeah. so that's oh, how you yeah, win, right? Makes all the sense in the world to me. <laughs> so yeah, but it's just, uh, it is what it is, but it'll be interesting to, to see how it all uh, unfolds. And I'll definitely be watching, uh, hard knocks to see maybe if we can spot you in there. I'm sure you guys are <laughs> be able to see them during training camp, right? Don't they, don't they train in Detroit? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. They, Technically Allen Park, but that's where their
0: their main facility is. They don't travel out of town or
2: anything like that. How
0: much access do you guys have to them
2: during that time? Um so I'll I'll be at every practice, but um Oh nice. Yeah, I, I
0: won't I won't like get any behind the scenes sort of stuff. But sure, 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 they'll sure. get
2: yeah. All right, maybe I catch you in the background somewhere. Maybe. maybe. You maybe. never know. Maybe so, you'll um, see my
0: arm holding a, an iPhone <laughs> to, to get a recording from one of these guys.
2: There you go. So we don't get to talk to you till week 10. So we got a good four months before we get a chance to uh, preview a week 10 matchup, but I'll both have a pretty good idea what our teams are uh, heading into uh, that one. And hell, the game might actually even mean something uh, when we see each other, especially at that point in the year. So uh, we look forward to having you back on then. Where can we keep up with you in the meantime?
0: Yeah, obviously pride of Detroit is where all my, uh, all my content goes, whether it's written stuff. uh, We do a podcast, um we do live streaming on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit if you're if you're into the Twitch, if you're one of the, the cool kids who are into Twitch. <laughs> um and then you can follow all my personal stuff, which has some line stuff and T V stuff and all sorts of fun stuff on my Twitter account at Detroit Online. Yeah, how's that
2: uh, that hot dog debate going? You you still uh, still <laughs> trying to hash that one out? Is it a sandwich or not a sandwich <laughs> or Whatever, and I believe there was a, like a spaghetti one at some point, and uh, you know some <laughs> kind of controversy about pasta. Uh, and he's a good Twitter follow for sure. His personal account, uh, Detroit on is it Detroit Online, right? That's right. That's yeah, right. Yeah. So that's
0: the, a lot of food talk. Always. Yes. Yes. Always. My my my. I think my latest diatribe, which is not appreciated by most people in Detroit. So, um, if you don't know Detroit, one of like Detroit staples foods is the Coney Dog. Okay which is just a hot dog with, with a bunch of like chili, chili and cheese. chili
2: sauce. Yeah.
0: Um not cheese. So like the the standard Coney dog is chili, diced onions, raw onions, mm-hmm. and mustard. Okay. And I I just think hot dogs are kind of a waste of food. <laughs> like I don't I, I don't feel like Detroit should really be defining themselves by a hot dog. Detroit style pizza on the other hand, absolutely legit and maybe mm-hmm. one of the most pizza styles that's what that's what detroit should be leaning into not not a chili dog yeah
2: there's a pizza joint out here uh in cedar rapids that does new york chicago detroit style yeah and whenever i've ventured into the detroit uh area number one i get a smaller pizza because there's a lot to it yes um so i mean it's it's a it's a pan Pizza with with the burnt edges and the sauce mm-hmm. goes on top and yep. all that kind of it's good stuff. I really uh, I really enjoy it. So um, yeah, I'd, I'd like to uh, maybe make a trip up to Detroit and have some legit Detroit pizza from Detroit as opposed to what uh, what the guy up the street is uh, calling Detroit pizza out here. So uh, <laughs> well, you know. since
0: since you were brave enough to admit that you like Detroit style pizza on, on a <laughs> Chicago Bears podcast, I'll I'll be brave and say the people who call your pizza casserole are stubborn and jealous because <laughs>
2: chicago style pizza is delicious absolutely it's it's amazing you know but I, you know i was actually just listening to a different podcast today uh with the comedian andrew santino who's from chicago and he's like mm-hmm. you know what chicagoans aren't like head over heels for chicago style pizza it's like most people in chicago like the tavern style the square cut, uh, you know oh. the thin crust pizza that's the pizza that rules chicago we're just known for the deep dish it's like most people in Chicago have deep dish three, four times a year. It's not something that every time we order pizza, we're getting <laughs> right. deep dish because that's right. Chicago way uh, or anything like that. I love deep style, deep dish. I have my a favorite and the Lou Malnati's, that's the best pizza in the world. As far as I'm concerned. But whenever we go to Lou Malnati's, we order the thin crust just as much as we do the, the, the deep dish. Interesting. It's, yeah. Okay. So it's, I it's not, know. it's not the end all be all in Chicago. That's a misconception as far as the food. Hot dogs, on the other hand, there is a Chicago-style hot dog. It's very specific that, you you know, like you said, with the mustard and the raw onions and the chili with the the Chicago-style, you know, it's got to have the celery salt, the sport peppers. It's a very specific kind of relish that has to be on it, It has to have the poppy seed buns and all that kind of stuff. If you're missing any of that, it's not a Chicago dog. We're moving on to the next one uh, kind of thing, (laughs) so – yeah, look what this conversation has blossomed into, but yep. uh, but anyway, you know you know what I'm talking about. So it's um it's interesting how how like when a town is identified by you know the the kind of food that comes out of that town and everything and how picky people can be about it or or how that opinion is shaped by everyone else who doesn't come from there and and doesn't know it. You know the whole casserole thing with the, right. with the pizza and whatnot. Right. So. <laughs> All right Jeremy, as usual this has been a blast and um you know sad that it won't be until week 10 that we get a chance to talk to you but um we look forward to uh to that and uh we'll talk to you yeah. then I guess. Yeah, we'll
0: we'll see each other when we're 10 10 and 0,
2: right? Absolutely. We're both <laughs> uh well, you have a bye in there so you'll be 9, oh, and, okay, 9 0, and, and 0 and we'll be okay. 10 and 0 cuz our bye week isn't until week 14 this year. So to be two, the colossal matchup <laughs> Bears, Lions, nine and O versus ten and O, playing for supremacy in Ford Field. Who would have thunk it? Right, <laughs> love it. As always, uh, want to thank Jeremy from uh, Pride of Detroit for being on the show and helping us preview the Lions. Looking forward to the start of the season. Looking forward to training camp to see how uh, how the Lions are going to look on uh, HBO when they do the uh, the you know the Hard Knocks uh, this year, and um, to see how the season's uh, going to unfold. I think um, I've already forgotten when we see it. Let me pull up schedule real quick. Uh, week number ten. So we we don't see him for a while, not till mid November. But we should have a pretty good idea by the time we see Jeremy again when we talk to him to preview week ten, uh, at home in Chicago. Um, if the Getzy, uh Iberflus polls, you know, uh, group is working, we should know by week ten, uh, whether or not it's it's you know, is it going to be a successful first year and what does that what success are we time are we talking about are we talking about a more uh you know cohesive more competent football team it's still missing out on the wins but you're seeing progress you're seeing progress from from uh justin fields which is probably the most important thing we need to see this year uh or are we actually winning football games so you know going into week 10 uh, are we in the playoff discussion? Because that's right around the time that it begins to actually become a thing that, oh, so-and-so second seed in the NFC right now, so-and-so is, would be the five seed if the season ended today, blah, blah, blah. So we'll see if, if, we're, if either one of these teams has any part uh, of that discussion when we see Jeremy again uh, heading into week number 10. So. Anyway, guys, uh, that's going to do it for the Detroit Lions. Come back on Thursday when we will be previewing the Minnesota Vikings, yet another team in the division along with us that's bringing in a new general manager, a brand new head coach, and reshaping their roster to try to, uh, you know, pick, gain some ground and close the gap between themselves and Green Bay uh, and, uh, you know, try to work their way through the division and and, and get year one of this of their transition off to a successful start and as always our good friend chris gates from SB Nation's daily norseman will be on the show to help us preview those 2022 vikings so uh can't wait to talk to him because for the 38th time in 39 years we finished the season against the vikings but the nfl threw us a curveball and week 18s in chicago this year holy shit it's in chicago good god what were they thinking so uh, that's got to be a mistake, but I'm sure Chris and I will have a lot of fun, uh, you know, joking about that. We actually see Minnesota, we go to Minnesota week number five. So, I mean, it's just, it's, it's upside down. You know, we're living in the upside down uh, this year. So, anyway, come back on Thursday for myself and Chris Gates to preview the 2022 Vikings. And until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Bears Talk Underground. Hey,